This is Dr. Jonathan Shaw. I want to thank you for tuning in to Crown Ministries Podcast today. We hope that this message transforms you and encourages you to pursue God's presence in a greater way. Enjoy the message. Yes, Lord. Father, we thank you for supplying all of our need according and based upon your riches in glory. You're so rich in glory. We thank you for supplying our need. Father, now with all of the worship and praise we give you, our sealing prayer is this, that you will anoint us with the grace of good stewardship so that we will not be broke another day in our lives. We thank you for the increase. Thank you for the money by surprise. Thank you for the checks in the mail. Thank you for debt elimination. But Father, right now we receive the anointing of stewardship and wealth managers so we can properly allocate these funds. I thank you, Lord, that our portfolio is growing. Our investments are wise. We will not be wasteful. We will not be emotional. <laughs> but we shall be wise stewards over the wealth that comes into our life right now. And the days ahead and the generations that are next will benefit from our decisions. Thank you for wealth, generational wealth, in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody, let me hear you rejoice for the anointing of good stewardship. Lay hands on yourself and say, I'm a good steward over the wealth that I have. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. I'm a good steward over the wealth that I have and the wealth that I'm receiving the wealth that's coming my way. I'm not wasteful in my spending. Hallelujah. I'm not emotional. I don't need to go shopping to feel better. I won't be in my feelings where it affects my bag. Oh, come on through here. If I feel bad, I'm going to prayer. Not to the mall. Oh, see y'all... <laughs> Because it's one thing to shout about the victory, but it's another thing to maintain the victory. And that's called lifestyle changes through sanctification, holy thinking, and holy living. God blesses us. You receive that. Clap your hands real good and bless the name of our God. Glory to God. Let me share a word with you as the Lord has given unto me today. Let me share a word with you. God, I feel God here. Mm. Lean over to somebody and tell them you're sitting next to a millionaire. Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody in my family been a millionaire, but it starts with me. I'm the Joseph of my family. 
I change things around here. I wish some of y'all would act like color purple. Sophia home now. Things gonna change around here. I'm gonna do something different. Nobody ever owned, I'ma own. They all had to struggle, I'm gonna change that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm so mature to a place that if I don't see the materialistic money in my time, I broke it in my time that my children and grandchildren gonna see it. Oh, come on here, somebody. If I don't see it, my children will. Hallelujah. My grandchildren will. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I've just been the breaker. They're going to be the receiver. <laughs> Hallelujah. One generation breaks and another one receives it. So I'm fighting for my future. You're going to understand it's generational. It's generational. Abraham was called the father of many nations. And all he saw was one son. He never saw all of his sons. All he saw was Isaac. Ishmael, he sent to the wilderness. He never even saw the nations. So sometimes you won't see it in your life. But it's all right. Oh, but my children gonna see it. Come on, some of us, we wore for our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. How many of y'all know the Rockefellers ain't got to go to work? They never even met their great-granddaddy. They only seen a picture of him. But they don't even have to go to work because of what he decided. So sometimes you got to know you're fighting for a future that you may not even see in your lifetime. But all is well. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. My great-grandson owned that franchise of Walmarts. He got about five funeral homes he's got to manage, 32 laundromats, and three Burger Kings and two KFCs. He's going to say, good God, I thank God for my great-granddaddy. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Look at you looking. He go to his house in Mexico and his summer home in Aruba, his winter home in California, and his sometime home with a three stories up in New York City penthouse. He gonna say, thank God for great granddaddy. I want him to put my picture up on the wall, right over the mantelpiece. You better speak over your great grandchildren. You better speak over your children. fighting for me. I'm fighting for a future. Hallelujah. Let me get through here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a legacy of wealth. Generationally. 
I don't want quick money. I want long money. <laughs> you hear me what I'm saying? It ain't got to come fast, but I want it to stay long. make financial decisions the way I do. How many of y'all know the Holy Ghost will give you financial wisdom? He'll be your financial advisor. He told Joseph how to manage the whole treasury of the whole nation. Seven years, I can help y'all if you listen to me. Store up that wealth. And when the whole world got hungry, they had to go to Egypt to borrow. Because there was a man who knew God that knew how to manage the, manage the budget of the nation. Hallelujah. God can help you if you listen to him. He'll tell you where to invest. God knows where the money in the earth is. He'll help you locate it. The disciples had to pay their taxes. Say, we ain't got no money. Jesus, you got to pay your taxes too. Jesus paid taxes. He said, y'all, where's the money? Where's the, uh, we ain't got enough. All right, this is what you do. Go over to the fish, to the brook. Go over to the fish. The first fish to come out, I want you to pull it out the water. In its mouth, there's going to be some money. Jesus said, take the money, pay your taxes and mine. Which means there was enough money in the fish mouth to pay all 12 disciples and Jesus taxes. What was the fish? The fish happened to be a pearl, a clam with a pearl. The fish was a clam. The pearl was so valuable that they liquidated the pearl, got money for it, and paid all their taxes. Even Jesus was into liquidation. Huh? He knows where the money is. Go to the brook. There's a fish in the brook. You don't need a whole swarm of fish. You just need one fish. I'm teaching Somebody shout just one. But you just got to go to the right brook and find the right fish. <laughs> and don't let the size of the fish fool you. Because a great fish swallowed Jonah, but a small fish paid all their taxes. Don't let the size of the fish. Y'all miss your blessing because you're looking for big fish. Sometimes great things come in small packages. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just listen to God. He'll tell you where the fish is. Solomon was the wisest and most wealthiest king ever lived. The Bible testifies of this. Solomon's money hasn't left the earth yet. Solomon was the wisest and wealthiest king that ever lived. Solomon's money has never left the earth. It's still in the earth. Where is it? You lean into God, he'll tell you where it is. Because <laughs> God knows how to find it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. That was the appetizer. Let's go to the entree. Somebody say, speak to me, Lord. We're in Women's History Month, and I want to share my little contribution to women's history. And I'll encourage the women, but I believe the men will get blessed by this as well. We'll get two verses of Scripture, Luke chapter 10, 
in John chapter 11. The gospel according to Luke chapter 10 and the gospel according to John chapter 11. The gospel of Jesus Christ according to that physician called Dr. Luke. Chapter number 10, verse 38 is where we'll begin our lesson. When you have it, say amen. For your convenience, it is on your screens. Our digital disciples get your Bibles. And it reads thusly, verse 38, Luke 10. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister mm -hmm. called Mary, which also sat where? At Jesus' feet and heard his word. Martha was cumbered about with much serving and the king and said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Tell her, therefore, that she's supposed to come and help me. <laughs> Tell her, come and help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you're careful and troubled about so many things. But the one thing that's needful Mary has chosen that good part, and I'm not going to take it away from her. Leave her alone. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And we're going to look at uh, verse number 28. John chapter 11 and verse number 28. And it reads thusly. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master is come and he's calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly. and She came to him. And Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews then, which were with her, in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out they followed her saying she's going to the grave to weep there then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him she fell down at his feet saying unto him Lord if thou hadst been here my brother had not died when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And the word of the Lord is blessed. Let it remain sanctified within our hearts. In Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha has a visitor named Jesus, and they're at his feet, learning and receiving. In John 11, Lazarus has died, and we find one of them, soon as she meet him, falls down at his feet. I want to talk to you this afternoon from a subject entitled, Back at His Feet. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm dealing with some things right now, but I'm going back at his feet. Father, bless this witness. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You are my God, my strength, and my redeemer. Have thine own way. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me, make me, shape me after thine will. Father, I'm standing here waiting, yielded, and still. I thank you that your anointing prevails. Every demon is scattered and every person is edified. It is in the name of the blood-soaked body of Jesus we pray. Every heart say amen. Amen. Have your seat for a couple of moments and say it again. Back at his feet. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, I can remember the time significantly in my life where I laid before God and I sought the Lord for things that I needed in my life. I remember the times when uh, there was such a void and such uh, uh, emptiness that I didn't know how to fill it and I did not know what to do but I ran to God I ran to God because I knew that he had the answers I would spend time in my room close the door I would spend three to five days at a time just praying seeking the face of God they didn't know what was going on with me in my room when I was young and they just knew I was locked in and shut in with God I remember the Lord spoke to me one time and told me to buy a cape, a cope, that very cope right there that I still use. It's on my chair. He told me to go and purchase it and use it, and he told me to cloak myself in it in prayer. And I consecrated myself for five days, not one bite of food, not one drink of water, for five days straight. I only came out to go to the restroom, and I went back and sought the face of God. I laid in that garment. I slept in that garment. I literally laid before God and called upon his name. And the Lord poured into my soul. He poured into my spirit. He spoke some things that I'd never heard of. He said some things that blew my mind and shocked me. I didn't even know that God was going to use me the way he was going to use me. But I heard him talking to me. Those moments of my time in my life became precious and dear to me. Because it was times where God and I met, God and I spoke, God and I had fellowship. And I began to process through ministry and through life. I began to process through all of the things that uh, God was blessing me with. I got married, started having children, got jobs, and all kinds of stuff started happening. And through life, it got difficult. It got challenging. It was a lot. I was in ministry for one year, and I resigned after one year. They licensed me to preach April the 17th, 1993. By 1994, I was quitting. I took the license, and I ripped it up and threw it in the garbage. I scrapped my, scratched my name on, off the Bible that they gave me because I didn't want to be a minister. Because I said, God, I'll work for you for the rest of my days, but I don't like my coworkers. I didn't know they was mean and hateful and nasty and jealous and bitter and competitive I didn't know I didn't know Lord I thought all of them thought like me I quit I resigned but I said God I will always talk with you I'll always fellowship with you I'll always commune with you but I don't want to work for you and I went to prayer with a pen and paper as I always did to write down things he said to me I still got notes and journals and books from things that the Lord shared with me 25 30 years ago I still haven't written down and seen some of the promises that he said have come to pass. And while I was in prayer, some of you know this history and story, I felt the angel of the Lord 
I don't know if I was in the spirit, out the spirit, conscious or subconscious. But I felt the angel of the Lord take my hand, guide it upon a piece of paper. And I felt like I was scribbling. But I actually wasn't scribbling. When I came to consciousness and opened up my eyes and looked on the paper, it was a crown drawn on the paper. I consciously, underneath the crown that was drawn on the picture, wrote Crown Ministries, Inc. That was in 1994. This church didn't start until 2002. So for eight years, I held on to that vision and held on to what the Lord spoke to me, that small, loosely paper with that crown drawn and crown ministries written underneath it. It was incubating in my spirit that whole time. The baby was growing. When it came time for me now to start the ministry and open the church and do what the Lord told me to do, ladies and gentlemen, I went back to prayer. My wife always told me the story how she could remember the service that we were at at our former church. And service was over. The benediction was given, but I was still there on the altar. And I stayed there on the altar for at least another hour, wailing and weeping before God because God was giving me the green light and the open door for Crown Ministries to begin. While I was on that altar praying and crying out before God, I felt as if that cloak that I had prayed in was still draped upon my shoulders. It wasn't literally there, but in the spirit, I sensed it and I felt it. And I remember feeling the feeling that I felt when I drew that crown on the paper. I remember the same sense. I remember the same presence of the Lord. I felt it at the altar as if I was in my bedroom all over again. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, I've discovered something in life. That the reason why people give up is because they have no point of reference when they started. We make up stuff, we create stuff, we just say stuff, and we just do stuff. And we have really no motivation or inspiration to keep us going. But I realized something, that at every revelation, there's always another Genesis. Every time you think you finish, you've got to start all over. What are you saying, Bishop? I'm saying that when God dealt with me with Crown Ministries and had me to draw that crown on that paper, he let it sit and incubate in my spirit for eight years. And through trial and tribulation and torment and torture, it seemingly like I lost strength and God forgot about what he said to me. But when he was ready for me to walk into what he had told me eight years ago, he reminded me of that same presence again and said, now I'm going to use you and I want you to walk into that. That moment in my room, cloaked up in that cloak, praying and laying before God, became my point of reference for, to remember what the Lord said. And some of us, we lack a point of reference. We lack the place where God spoke to you. I'm not so impressed with what you're doing as I am with what did God tell you? When did the Lord speak to you? Are you merely just going through this life? You mean to tell me you're going through this life just doing stuff? Just haphazardly building business and starting families? You mean to tell me you dating and getting married to somebody that you've never consulted God about? Y'all are producing and having babies and you don't even know if this is the will of God. <laughs> because you have no point of reference as to when he spoke to you. What did he say to you? 
What are the instructions? You live in your life like it's golden, but really it's gold-plated. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, I strongly suggest to you that you lean into God. Lean into him and ask him what is his will for you and what does he desire for you and what does he want you to do and where does he want you to go and who does he want you to take along because your destiny chooses your future. Your destiny not only chooses your future, your destiny chooses where you're supposed to be and how long it's supposed to take you to get there. Your destiny also selects your mentors, your leaders, and your instructors. Ironically enough, your destiny also chooses your enemies. What you're called to do will determine who will hate you. What your hands are assigned for will also determine who will become jealous of you, envious of you. You've got to know what did he say to you. Do me a favor. Help me preach. I'm almost through. Tell your neighbor, what did he say to you? What did he say to you? What prayer meeting, what service, what Bible study that you have as a point of reference that the Lord spoke to you? What is the dream? What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? You got to go back to what he said because it's so easy. I've been pastoring y'all this year for 20 years. It's so easy to start off right but end up wrong because life tragedies has a way of making you drift and you don't even know you shifting. You could shift one centimeter and go in a totally different direction but you don't even know you shifted. How many of you have ever got to a point in your life that you were drifting and turned around and said how did I get here because it's the small foxes that spoil the vine for how vines have tender grace what do you mean bishop I'm saying it's the small things in life that make you shift and drift and you don't even realize that you're doing it until you've gone too far and stayed too long and spent too much while you were there and all of a sudden it's how did I get here not only do you ask how did I get here but some of y'all got Deborah Cox ministry how did you get here nobody's supposed to be here. I thought I did that love thing for one last time. Look at y'all. Uh, sometimes our vulnerability and our expectation of people will invite people in our lives that are not God sent but demonically planted. And if you're not careful, you will invite and welcome the wrong ones in the wrong season. What point of reference do you have? When did the Lord speak to you? What was going on when it happened? Has he even spoken to you? What is your point of reference? Because in the point of reference lies the clear instructions. Some of you are suffering right now with the spirit of confusion over your life and your instructions are only fogging because you won't reevaluate what he originally said. Can I humbly suggest to you right, why God won't speak to you again is because you haven't obeyed what he already said. We want to hear God speak and God said you didn't even do what I already told you. It's like that little GPS lady in my car when she tells me to turn left. I, she don't speak to me again until I turn left. And the only time she talks is when I've made a wrong turn. Then she'll say recalculating. Come on here. Recalibrating because she's trying to get me back on the wrong track. And God said I am your navigational system. I'm not going to talk to you again until you make the turn that I told you. Oh I need you to speak 
speak, Lord, but you haven't even obeyed me, which means your progress is based upon your last act of obedience. Oh, put it up on Facebook, tag my name, look at your neighbor, say, hey, neighbor, your progress is based upon your last act of obedience. You ain't going to move further until you do what he already said. What's your point of reference? Where did he talk? What did he say? Was it a dream? Was it a vision? Was it a prophecy? Was it a message? Was it a song? What did the Lord say? Because your life is based upon what he said. I've also discovered, Pastor Sabrina, that uh, in what he said lies the strength to do it. If you've ever felt weak, to accomplish the task that the Lord has given you, when you go back to what he said, there is an anointing and a strength in what he said because the word of the Lord is so potent, it's so good, it's so full, absolute, and complete that within that word lies the strength to complete the task. The devil has lied to you. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but the devil is a bald head, snagger tooth liar, and he told you that you can't do it. He told you that it can't come to pass. He told you you're not smart enough. He told you you don't know enough people. He told you you're too fat and too thin. He told you you don't look the part. He told you oh God that you can't accomplish the task but I want to quote a scripture to that old devil and tell him I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and the strength lies in the point of reference. Tap somebody help me preach and say the strength you need is in what he said. When you go back to what he said, you'll find the strength to accomplish it. You'll find the strength to complete it. Am I talking to anybody in here? You'll find the strength in what he said, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm here to tell you that the Lord is speaking to many of you today. And he says, I told you to do something. And I gave you the strength, the anointing, the tools, and the resources to do it. All you've got to do is take up your strength. Come on here and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get the job done. I prophesy over 17 of you right now that will receive the word of the Lord that 2022 is the year that you begin to walk in what God said for you to do and you will do what the Lord has commissioned you in this life to do you won't walk in disobedience neither will you walk in fear but this year shall be a year of accomplishment a year of fulfillment because I'm going back to what he said Sometimes God could put so much pressure on us, Sister Malika, that he's trying to drag us back to that place. He said, I visited you, and I did something in you. I'm just trying to pull you back to that place. Here in this text, Jesus was an evangelist and a traveler. <laughs> And as he was traveling, he needed to find rest. He came to a town in the city called Bethany. Everybody say Bethany. I, I, I didn't say Brooklyn. I say Bethany. Come on. He went to a town called Brooklyn. I mean Bethany. And at Brooklyn, he found two sisters named Martha and Mary. And he must have trusted them, him, because uh, he went to their house and let them feed him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesus must have been trustworthy because I may come to your house but it don't mean I'm always going to eat your food 
Y'all don't look at me in that tone of voice because some of y'all are nasty. Hallelujah. And uh, hallelujah. I love you and I'm going to come visit. Praise the Lord. But I'm going to shake my shoes and leg when I get up. Uh, I'll come over, but I don't mean I'm going to eat your food. Oh, no thanks. I'm fasting. Hmm? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, no, 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 that's okay. I already ate before I got here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So if Bishop has ever eaten your food, it's a compliment. Praise the name of the Lord. Because can't y'all tell? I like to eat. He went over the house and he ate their food. And because Jesus was a master teacher, he wasn't just a rabbi, he was rabboni. There was different levels to teachers and rabbis. He wasn't just a regular a synagogue teacher. He was a master teacher. Rabboni is what they referred to him. And literally he would come in the house, sit in one of the chairs, and the people would swarm the house because they heard that Jesus was there. Hey, could it be that our churches, Pastor Moore, are empty because we heard who's preaching, but we don't know who there. We heard about who's singing, but we don't know who's there. Y'all know how y'all act when people are invited over and you, you know, they invite you over and say, I want you to come over. We hanging out. We chilling. We gonna play Monopoly or Uno or something. And the first question you ask is, who all gonna be over there? Because uh -huh. I don't mix and mingle with everybody. Who, who else coming? That's why I want to know who else, who all gonna be over there? Who gonna be over there? Nah, that's all right. I, I don't fool up with them. I praise the name of the Lord. And they swarmed the house because they heard who was over there. They may didn't like who came over, but they wanted to hear who was talking. They may didn't like whose house it was but they were so determined to hear who was teaching. I wonder sister Evelyn that our desire of him prevails over our problem with them. I wonder uh, can you still come even if you don't like me but because you're so determined to get to him you pay these folks no never mind because they ain't got no hell to send you to or heaven to put you in anyway so you determine I come for God anyway I want to know is he over there I ain't coming to church. I can stay home and watch virtual church. I want to know, is he over there? Come on over here. I don't care what y'all got on. I don't care about your tattoos, your tight jeans, or your tight shirts. Is he over there? You can have on your shamirs, your rochets, and your miters. All I want to know is, is he over there? Is he though? Is he there? And because he was there, they swarmed the house, preach boy. They swarmed the house. And when they swarmed the house, uh, Mary and Martha, being the hospitable host that they are, said we need to get some iced tea, some lemonade. We need to get some crumpets. We got any avocado? We could make guacamole. We have any crackers? Where are the cucumbers? Slice them up. Come on. Maybe I can whip up some tuna fish uh, on croissants. Maybe there's something that we could whip up for the people because they're coming over. Because good hosts know how to treat guests. 
Mama Shaw, I know you're watching. My mother always told me, always keep clean sheets in the house. You never know who coming over. Always keep some clean towels and bath cloths. Come on here. Because you never know who need to spend the night. Always have a little extra gift when people come to your house. Because you got to be a good host. Y'all know how y'all act when company comes over. Take out the good china. We're not eating over no paper plates. Because we got guests today. We got guests. company came over at the last minute and we didn't clean out room close them room doors so they don't see how messy and nasty you keep that y'all looking at me funny come on close that door so the guests don't see y'all nasty <laughs> y'all didn't clean out the bathtub before they got here close the curtain close the shower curtain and if y'all are nosy guests like me when you go in the bathroom you look behind it anyway and just <laughs> just nosy hallelujah someone to jump out at you with your nosy self get out of my bathtub Y'all do it too. Look at y'all. Hallelujah. Be in my bathtub. Get out of there. Ain't using no bathroom. They cleaning the bathroom in the kitchen, swipping something up. They got coffee and tea on the kettle. They making sure they got sugar lumps and honey available for all the guests that were coming over because Jesus was teaching and guests are here. We have to treat them nice and hospitable and kind because Jesus is here. But what he was saying, what he was saying was so powerful. And I, I wonder why, Elder Holloway, you could preach this better than me. I wonder why the text never told us what he said. If it was that powerful, why didn't they write down what he said? Because, Brother Tarek, the scripture is more concerned not with the message of Jesus, but with the ways of Jesus. They wanted us to become encumbered with his ways more than his words. Because people would always repeat his words and expect the same results because they said what he said. But they never had his heart. So he said, instead of repeating my words, I need you to go after my heart. So I'll preach more of what I do rather than what I say. That's why we only got one message from Jesus in the whole Bible. And that was the Beatitudes on Mount Olivet. And that's all we got. But it talks about more of what he said than what he or what he did than what he said. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, you can sound profound but be powerless. Don't be fooled by these Facebook prophets and these Instagram apostles. You gotta watch their life, not their highlight reels. You could say the right things, but if, when a man's ways please the Lord, oh God, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Look at your neighbor said, it's all about your ways. It's all about your ways. It's all about your ways. And so, and so it didn't tell us what he said, but what he said was so profound and powerful, prolific and prophetic that they would sit at his feet like a kid in a candy store. 
Revelation knowledge is falling from his lips like a waterfall. Oh, for my Jamaica online digital disciples, it's like Dunn's River. And they're sitting there and they are receiving from the well that's springing from his mouth. It's so powerful that Mary and Martha are, are working and serving. And as they're passing by with the trays, they overhear the words. And something happens that captivates Mary. She puts the tray down uh, after she served the tea. And she sat at his feet. Uh, it's men around and she ain't even supposed to do this because not even the synagogues let the women sit among the men the women sit upstairs in the balcony the men sit downstairs so this ain't even supposed to happen but Jesus said if you won't let me do it in the synagogue I'll do it in the house so he went to the house and had church where there was no gender prejudice where men sat among women and they all ate together and received from Rabboni He's, they're sitting in his feet. Mary is captivated. She's in awe. She's learning. She's receiving. And she's postured at his feet. She's postured in the position of humility. Disciple and recipient at feet. The lowest place, the humble place, the place where his feet has trod. She's sitting there to receive. Ain't nobody eating cucumbers now. Because Mary is receiving. Ain't no tea being made available. Because Mary said, I got to get some. Y'all sipping coffee. I need something else. This text gives us masterfully a message to every servant of every house. Make sure that you don't serve empty. Sometimes you got to put your tray down and get what you need. Don't you see that woman over there shouting? She needs a slate cloth, but I need deliverance. Don't you see them over there crying? They need a tissue, but I need a breakthrough. There's sometimes where every servant needs to learn. I love you and I'll always serve you, but at this point in my life, while Rabbi is teaching, I need to put my tray down. We're not going to fire you. You're not going to lose your position. And some of y'all are so power hungry that you would rather serve and stay bound rather than put that tray down and get what you need from God. I need every servant to look at another servant and say, hey, I need to get mine. I need to get mine. Uh, I'm serving you, but I'm empty. I'm helping you, but I need mine. Come on here. I need a breakthrough. Put that tray down and get what you need. Ushering is not more important than your salvation. Agency is not more important than your deliverance. I'd rather you get a breakthrough 
and we count the offering tomorrow. I'd rather, I'd rather you put your tray down because what you need will make you a better servant when you get it. You only nasty because you won't put your tray down. You only mean and hateful because you haven't received. Come on here. And the problem with some of us, Dr. Sharon, is we go to the church, but we never went to church. Mm. The problem with some folks is that we entered to the house of the Lord, but we went to the office and we didn't go to the altar. The problem with some of us is we come encumbered with the things of the church, with the work of the church, but not the worship of God. We got to be careful. Mary said, I got to hear him. Martha, Martha's serving. I'm almost through, y'all. Martha's serving. And she's serving. And she's walking back and forth. And she picked up Mary's tray and said, I got to do my job and hers too. Martha picked up Mary's tray, put more, more tea in the cups and handed them out and passing them out. And people are taking the crackers. And she's looking over there at Mary. And she walking back in the kitchen, and you know she got a good attitude now. How dare she? So I'm in here working and washing these dishes. I'm in here serving, and I come in early and got to do all of this stuff. And you ain't to tell me she's just sitting in there on her behind and ain't going to help me and ain't going to serve with me. She ain't got no real servant's heart. She ain't no real minister. It's all about her. See? She's strong. Y'all know how y'all talk. So I'm quoting scriptures. You got to have a heart of a servant. You got to be a servant. How does she don't even know what she's doing? She don't even know how to do it. And I got to do her job. I got to do everything around here. Because if it wasn't for me, it wouldn't get done. If it wasn't for me, see, you got to be careful because you start making a God out of yourself. You got to be careful because you'll start lording over that position thinking that if it wasn't for you, the job wouldn't get done. Y'all got to be careful to start saying that stuff because I got an old saying around here. Y'all pray for me. I need deliverance. Old saying is one monkey don't stop this show. Come on here. You got to be very careful talking about they ain't going to survive without me. You think we won't survive without you? Well, then do us a favor and die and see what would happen. Church going to roll on without you, boo. Excuse me. Martha was mad. She was upset. I picked up Martha's spirit. Martha was mad. She was so mad. She walked back into the living room and interrupted the sermon. Rabboni is in the middle of teaching. Martha interrupted the sermon and the lesson for the day and said, Lord, I'm serving. My sister is here sitting. Tell her to come and serve with me. Martha somehow never knew that Mary wouldn't listen to her. So she tried to go above her head and make him say it because maybe she'll listen to him. Who is it you're trying to tell God on? Because you know they, you have no power that they would listen to you. So you got this prayer, sick them, God. Get them, Lord. 
I rebuke every one of them get them Lord prayers. I rebuke them sick them Jesus prayers. Like Jesus is some kind of junkyard dog that y'all can sit people on because you don't like them. Because you don't like what they're doing. Be very careful. Just because you don't like me don't mean he don't like me. Because the truth is, you want to be like me. Okay, the truth is, you're trying to sick him on me. Jesus takes the interruption of the message and says, Martha, Martha. He had to call her twice because she had to hear it in the natural and the spiritual. She had to catch her life and gather her spirit because she was so off focus. He had to say it to bring her in. Martha, Martha. You are encumbered with these tasks, but Mary have chosen the good part. Could you be good at serving but not have done the good part. Her seat at his feet was better than handing out trays of hors d'oeuvres. The good part. To receive is the good part. <laughs> Some of y'all go to sleep in service during the good Some of you uh, check out and miss it because you believe church should be one hour and you miss the good part. You're going to work tomorrow, but you never got the good part. You're going to raise your children and try to help your marriage, but bruh, you miss the good part. Was to sit at his feet and receive. Because you're going to need this somewhere in your life. Brothers and sisters, as I cut through this field, I got to go and bless this beautiful baby. But watch this. The Bible says there came a day that Martha and Mary experienced tragedy. Because though he wasn't in this story, he was in the crowd of the story. And uh, we didn't hear of him until this part. The Bible says that the two sisters had a brother named Lazarus. Come here, John 11. And Lazarus got real sick. And the Bible says that while Lazarus was in Bethany or Brooklyn, whatever you read it, while he was sick and literally dying, scripture tells us that Jesus was in another village keeping a revival. And he was teaching and he was talking. And once again, they don't tell us what he said. And he's teaching and talking and they sent word that Lazarus, your friend, is sick. And Jesus stayed, Dr. Sharon, in that village, keep preaching, for another three days. You would think that if Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was his friend, he'd go over to their house and eat their food. He can teach and have worship that when one of them got sick, he would come on over and visit. That's what you would think. But the Bible says that Jesus didn't leave. He stayed right there where he was. And some 
of you are in a warfare right now because you have given God a laundry list of the things that you have done for him. But it seemed as though he won't even come over to your house. Now I'm in tragedy. Now I'm dealing with trauma. And I've been calling on you. I send word for you. I send angels looking for you. And God, you won't come to my rescue. Can I preach to some of y'all and tell the truth? Some of us are mad at God because he ain't coming as fast as we need him to come in our moments of trouble. Come on, y'all. Don't lie on Sunday. Tell the truth, God. I'm upset because I call for you and you came over my house and you got my tithes and you got my offering and I'm at that church every Sunday morning and I'm the last one to leave and I'm doing all of this stuff and now I'm experiencing trauma. Lord, where are you? I'll tell the truth. Have you ever been upset with God? Where are you? Where are you? No, no, for real. Where are you? Where are you, God? You're not showing up. You're not coming through. And he's doing it on purpose. Oh, he stays there and he teaches. Finally, they sent another messenger. This tells you how long he must have been there. They sent another messenger and said, Lazarus has died. His sickness killed him. <laughs> oh, God, what do you mean? Lazarus is dead. He was so devastating that when Jesus told the disciples Lazarus is asleep, that the disciples couldn't even catch it. They didn't even understand what he was saying uh, until Jesus had to say it plainly. He's dead. It was like, he's dead. You didn't go see Lazarus? I mean, if you go to see any member of the church you will go see Lazarus they've been good to you I mean the good tithe payers you go to their house come on here the one that's always faithful to the ministry you go over their house you let Lazarus die he said no he's already dead he said but come on let's go and let's wake him up what do you mean let's go wake him up uh, because Jesus knew who he was he was in a town in the city that was two miles away the scripture says 15 furlongs that is two miles away he went two miles away to go to where they were in Bethany and the Bible says that as he is approaching Bethany that here comes that Martha that Martha once again who he had to rebuke before hallelujah in John in Luke chapter 10 he had to rebuke Martha and here she comes again before he even gets good inside Brooklyn I mean Bethany here she comes and she's in his face and says where were you you should have been here had you been here then our brother wouldn't have died she is so indignant she is mad she is angry watch this but when she came to Jesus come here son when she came to Jesus and approached him hardly in Bethany she's telling him toe to toe face to face had you been here had you been around our brother wouldn't have died had you been around our brother wouldn't have been in this position and he'd been dead for four days and it's your fault you the preacher you the rabboni you the bishop you got all them robes you got all them rings and you ain't nowhere I mean she went off on Jesus but watch this she's doing it in his face She's doing it in his face because somehow or another Martha's angry has con anger has convinced her she's his equal. Ooh, she thinks what she has done is equivalent to what he has done. So I can stand to you toe to toe, face to face, like you're my equal. And some of y'all have let your anger fool you to think that you are God's equal. You have allowed your tithe and offering to convince you you're on his level. And now, now, 
She's upset with him. She's mad at him. And she didn't even let him get into the city. She didn't even let him get into the town. And Jesus looks at her. And he looks at her. And he steps away from her. He doesn't even deal with her. Because you can't deal with somebody who already made up their mind. What am I saying? I'm saying that you have got a silent God because you prayed with your mind already made up. You wonder why God won't talk to you. God said, what's the sense? You already made up your mind. You talk to God to inform him instead of ask him. You let him know what you already decided to do. So why should he discuss the issue any further? He leaves Martha. Loves her. But he lets her live in her anger. Because that's what she decides. He's hardly in Bethany. He's hardly in Bethany. But as soon as he steps foot in Bethany, Martha leaves Jesus and runs and goes to her sister. And she tells her sister, Mary, the master is calling for you. Now, I read this story in other versions and texts. And nowhere does it say that Jesus called for Mary. Martha lied. She's so mad at Jesus, she lied. And she's literally saying, I've told him off already. Your turn. You go deal with him. You don't want at his feet. Let's see if he answer you. And she said, he's calling for you. But he never called for her. He never requested her. Mary goes to where on, Jesus is. And uh, when Mary goes to where Jesus is, she's upset too. She's hurt as well. She's mourning and crying like everybody else was. She ran out the house so fast that the mourners that was in the house Said, let's go with her because she's going to Lazarus' grave. She's going to cry. She's going to weep. But she wasn't going to the grave. She was going to Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, I'm not going to the grave. I'm going to Jesus. Tell him, I'm not going to death. I'm going to life. And even though I'm mad at him, and even though I don't understand him, I'm going to still go to him. And even though I don't like the decisions that he's made, I'm going to still go to him. And even though I don't understand what he's doing in this season of my life, I'm going to still go to him. And even though I don't know how he's going to use me, and I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Grab somebody by the hand and shake it like you're going to shake it off and say, I don't understand God, but I'm going to go to him. I don't know what he's doing right now, but tell him I'm going to go to him. 
I don't know why he's doing what he's doing, but I determined I'm going to go to him. And when Mary got to Jesus, the Bible says that she goes to him and she said, had you been here, then our brother wouldn't have died. She told him the same thing that Martha told him, which means they were feeling the same thing. But them girls had different positions. While Martha thought she could give it to him in his face, Mary said, I'm going back to his feet. Because the last time I was in the house and miracles were falling from his mouth, where I was was at his feet. I need you to look at somebody and say, hey, neighbor, I don't know what you're going through right now, but say, neighbor, if you were dead, go back to his feet. Then everything that you're going through right now, God is able to deliver you out of it. You got the wrong neighbor. Find somebody else and say, hey, neighbor, some of our problems are when we worship, we're far too high. But if we're going to really get God, we got to go a little bit lower. Y'all trying to go up, but the real way to get your miracle is to go down. Find somebody and grab them by the hand and say, neighbor, it's time to go back to his feet because at his feet is the place of change at his feet is the place of instructions at his feet is the place of transformation and the bible says that when mary got to his feet that jesus responded and his response was like this where did you lay him which means tell me where the problem lies tell me where the situation is which means to his face you get no response but at his feet he said take me to where the problem is grab somebody and say neighbor God is ready to deal with your trauma when you're at his feet they ain't gonna talk to you find somebody and say neighbor God is ready to answer your prayer but you gotta go to his feet you could stand there like you're big you can stand in like a bad, but I'm here to tell you, you got to get back to his feet. It's a place of prayer. It's a place of intercession. It's a place of consecration. It's a place to receive right there at his feet. And I'm trying to tell y'all, as I prepare to go to my seat, that we all got to get to his feet. Turn around and tell three folks, we got to get to his feet. That's what happened at Calvary's mountain. Bible says that they whipped him all night long. His feet took him from judgment hall to judgment hall. His feet took him through the street called Via Della Rosa. And he walked through the city right there in Calvary with a cross on his back. And with his feet, he climbed up Calvary's hill, the hill called Golgotha. And with his feet, they stretched him out on that cross. They nailed his hands. They nailed each other. And they took the feet and put it on top of the other. And they nailed his feet. Then they lifted up the cross, slammed it in the ground. And so now, on the top of the hill, right there, there's a cross. Reminds me of my hymn. There's a hill far away. 
is stood an old rugged cross and the emblem of suffering and shame. I, I, I stand at that cross and he stood there on the cross of Calvary. And while he stood there, it was lifted on the hill. The cross was elevated. Jesus' body was on it. And I wondered why he was on the hill, on the cross, because God spoke to me. He said, because that's position that puts the world at his feet. Because when you look up, the first thing you see is his feet. The Bible says that the earth is God's footstool. So therefore, when God moves his feet, the earth starts shaking. Ironically enough, if the earth is his footstool, when we lift up our hands and shake our hands, it's as if we're tickling the feet of God. When you tickle his feet, it makes a move. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, it's at his feet. Lift your hands and give him glory. Oh, magnify the Lord, the Lord, and let us go to his feet. Get out your seats. Tell three people, you'll find me at his feet because now I need strength. I'm going back to his feet. I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm going back to his feet. I need an answer from the Lord. I need guidance. I need direction. Grab somebody. Pull them by the hand. Shake them and rock them. Rock them and shake them. I said shake them and rock them. Rock them and shake them. And say neighbor or neighbor. Go back to his feet. Because at his feet is joy that will flow like a river. Weeping may endure for a night. But at his feet is joy. When I'm confused, I find peace at his feet that surpasses all understanding that keeps my heart and my mind. Look at somebody, give him a high five and say, neighbor, what I need is at his feet. My healing is right there because he was wounded yeah, 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 yeah. for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes on his feet. I'm healed. If I mind his feet, he'll mind my feet. If I pay attention to his steps, he'll watch my steps. I dare y'all take three steps forward and say the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm watching your feet. Lord, I'm watching you in this season. Don't seek his face. Go to his feet. In this season, don't look for his hand. Get his feet. Some of y'all, 
say you gotta help me bishop i'm not a feet person but in this hour i got a foot fetish for jesus i got a foot fetish for jesus feet i want your feet if you believe it say us say us say us to his feet that's where your miracle is when you get to his feet that's where your death situation can come alive again when you get to his feet that's where the provision lies it's at his feet it's at his feet nowadays the church is changing the church is shifting the church is moving but i want to tell y'all i admonish you Go back to his feet. Don't go back to Facebook. Don't go back to Instagram. Don't go back to church as usual. Don't go back with the way we used to do it. I dare y'all go back to his feet. I gotta go get out your seats. Tell five people go back to his feet. Go back to his feet. Y'all ain't preaching. No, no, tell him, go back to his feet. Get out your seat and say, go back. Go back to praying. Go back to fasting. Go back to seeking him. Oh, Zion, what's the matter now? You don't pray like you used to pray. You don't shout like you used to shout. You don't holler like you used to holler. Go back. Go back. Sing my song, Lord, take me back to when I first received you. Take me back to the first time I got a question and I'm through with y'all. When was the last time you felt like the first time? I ain't got no praises up in here. I got a question. When was the last time you felt like the first time, when did you praise him? Like the first praise him. You got a cute dance, you got a cute shout, but where's that praise? That don't matter. It ain't coordinated, it ain't sophisticated. It's a praise out of my heart, out of my spirit. I dare somebody, praise God, like the first time. suffers to go back to his feet where's your 5 a.m. prayer where's your 6 a.m. devotion where's your morning walks with God where's your Bible study all by yourself go back to his feet trying to secure the bag that we've lost the blesser.
because we left his feet. We so big and bad, we in his face when we should be at his feet. We think we can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with God. We think we equal with him. Do you know who you're dealing with? Prayers aren't answered because you seek in his hand when his response is at his feet. He didn't answer Martha. He wouldn't have answered Mary if she wasn't in the right posture. But because she was at his feet, she said, he said to her, where did you lay up? In other words, where does the problem lie? I come for you. I walk two miles to answer those who are at my feet. Somehow or another, her dead brother reminded her of that living room visitation. That was her point of reference. That was where her life was transformed and she was in a confusing place, in a hard situation. She needed to go back to her genesis. That just so happened to be at his feet. We trying to get elevation and promotion, but the real way to God is to go down. We so busy trying to go up. And we so lost, we don't know what to do. We so angry, we can't even get our composure together. I gotta go. But I, I encourage you, go back. But Bishop, my bones hurt. My knees don't work like they used to go down there. I don't know if I'll be able to get back. That could be the whole reason why you need to go back down. Because you haven't got up in a long time. Let me go down to his feet. Some armies fight on their feet. I fight at his feet. fight when I'm lower. We're going through over my time. But Ken, for the next 120 seconds, two solid minutes, can each of us in this room go back to that place where he first spoke to us? Because your present circumstances and your present situation is only trying to detour or distract you from what he originally said and you only can get your instructions if you go back to his feet. And I want you, hey, my nice, so go behind I feel his presence here. I feel his presence in this room. And I believe God saying that I want to share with you some things and I want to deliver you from some things but I need you to have the right posture. Go back to my feet. Go back to my feet. Go back to my feet.
can you lift your hands all over this building? Close your eyes. This is personal today. This is personal today. This is personal. 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 Come on. Come on, servants of the house. We don't need no Marthas. We need some Marys. Put that tray down and go. Go personal. Go personal. Go personal. Go personal. This is. Yeah, come on. Go back to his feet. Go back to his feet. Go back to his feet. Even, even if you have to come up here to this altar, even if you got to lay prostrate, even if you got to kneel at your seat, you better do what you got to do. But get back to his feet. Come on, come on, come on for a moment. Go back to his feet. We're getting ready to go, but I just, I need a few folks in this room that says, I'm not too prideful. I'm not too big. This title I got don't mean a hill of beans. I got to go back to his feet. I need him like I never needed him before. I need guidance and direction. I need answers. I need I need him to speak to me. Go back to his feet. Come on, the altar is open. If you want to come up here, come up here and throw yourself on this altar. Go back to his feet. Go back. Go back. Go back, sis. Go back to that place where God dealt with you. Come on, bro. Go back to that place when you first heard the Lord speak to you and you you first heard the Lord commission you. You first heard the Lord tell you what to do and where to go. Go back to his feet. That's it. That's it. That's it. I know you're crying about the car and the house. And I know the children is an issue and not enough money is a problem. I get all that's on your heart. But, but for a moment, put all that stuff to the side. Forget all that junk. And say, God, I'm, go I'm going back. Hallelujah. Mary went to his feet in the shadow of her brother's grave. Yea, do I walk in the shadow of the valley of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Come on, come on, come on. For a moment, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. Yeah, shouting is good, but you do that on your feet. Dancing is good, but you do that on your feet. God said, I want you to give me something that you don't do on your feet, but you come to my feet. Ah, ah, I want you to come to my feet. I gotta go back to his feet. I'm going back to that place, that place of restoration, that place of wholeness, that place of a poor. I, I, I don't know who this is for, but I hear the Lord said, the poor is at my feet. He said, the poor is at my feet. The poor. I need a poor. I need a poor. I need the poor. The outpour of the Holy Ghost. The outpour of the things of God. The outpour of his spirit. The outpour of his presence. The outpour of his abundance. The outpour of his overflow. I need to go Take me back to, to the his feet of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Take me to the feet of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Take me to the feet of Jesus. Take me to the feet of Jesus. Take me to the feet of Jesus. That's where the instructions are. I want to go to the feet. Take me to the feet of Jesus. It's a humbling place. Take me to the feet 
of Jesus. It's a humbling place. Take me to the feet. Take me to the feet of Jesus. It's a place of humility. Take me to the feet of Jesus. I want to go back to his feet. Take me to the feet of Jesus. Take me to the feet of Jesus. In the next couple of moments, just begin to cry before the Lord. Just begin to cry and reach for him. Yes, I have trouble. Yes, I got issues. Yes, I'm dealing with trauma. But can you right there at this kneeling place, can you open up your mouth? And can you cry? That's it. Cry before the Lord. Cry. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. I'm not going to my bishop. I love my bishop, but I need to go to the feet of Jesus. I'm not going to the prophet right now. I love the prophet. I need the prophet, but I got to get to the feet of Jesus. Hey, I got to get to the feet of Jesus. Take me to the feet of Jesus. I need another touch. Take me to the feet of Jesus. I need another touch. Take me to the feet of Jesus. I gotta get there. I gotta get there. I've been preaching, but I've been empty. I've been praying, but I've been empty. I've been helping other people, but I've been empty myself. God, my poor is at your feet. My poor, you take it so to go by my door. My poor is at your feet. Take me to the feet of Jesus. I've been prophesying, but I've been empty. I've been leading worship, but I'm empty. I've been serving at the door, but I've been empty. I've been playing the instruments, but I've been empty. God, I said yes to you to serve you, but there's a place in me. I got a war going on. I got a fight going on. I gotta get back to your feet. I need the feet of Jesus. I need the feet of Jesus. I gotta go back there. I gotta go back there. I gotta go back there. My children need you. I gotta go back there. My children, my grandchildren need you, Lord. I gotta go back to your feet. I gotta go back to your feet. Take me to the feet of Jesus. Before I go to the bank, I gotta go to your feet. The feet of Jesus. Before I go to the leasing office, I gotta go to your feet. The feet of Jesus. Before I go to the car dealership, I gotta go to your feet. The feet of Jesus. Before I go back to the doctor, I gotta go to your feet. Come on, somebody, lift up your hands right here. I feel the Holy Ghost. I need some answers, God. I need some answers, Lord. Come on, I need some answers here. I need some answers, Lord. I don't know where else to get it. I don't know where else to go. When trouble rise, I will hasten unto his throne. Somebody type in the comments. I'm going back to his feet. I'm going back to his feet. I'm going back to his feet. I don't know where you're going. I don't know what you're going to do. But I'm going back. Hey. I feel 
Somebody getting healed today. Back to the feet Somebody's being restored Jesus. today. I'm going hey. back to the feet of Jesus. I'm going back. I'm going back to the feet of Jesus. I'm going back. I'm going back to the feet of Jesus. I'm going back. I'm going back to the feet of Jesus. I'm going back. I'm going back to the feet of Jesus. I need the instructions for my life. I'm going back to the feet of Jesus. Before I take that job, I'm going back to your feet. Married, I'm going back to your feet. Back to the feet of Jesus. Before I apply to the school, I'm going to your back feet. Back to the feet of Jesus. Before I take another step further, I'm going back. back to the feet of Jesus. I'm going back. Going back to the feet of Jesus. I gotta I'm go going back. back to the feet of Jesus. Come on, y'all say it. Going back. I'm going Personal worship. Come on. 
the feet of Jesus. Give him your personal worship. Online, lift the up your feet hands. of Jesus. And his feet. Hey. The feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. That's where I belong. The feet of Jesus. That's where I belong. Right there. The feet of Jesus. That's where I find my identity. The feet of Jesus. That's where I find my purpose. The feet of Jesus. Hey, hey. The feet of Jesus. I'm going back to the feet of Jesus. I'm going back to the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. Come on, would y'all say? I'm going back to the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. Hey, my God. The feet of Jesus. Going back. The feet of Jesus. Going back. The feet of Jesus. Somebody give him a great shout in the room. Give him a great shout of victory. Praise him like Lazarus is about to get up. Praise him because your death situation is coming alive. I'm going back. I'm going back. Hey. I'm going back. Hey. I'm going back. I'm going Praise him back. because he's answering. I'm going back. I'm going he's answering. I'm going back. I feel I'm going answer. back. I'm going back. I'm going back. I'm going back to the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. I'm going back to the feet of Jesus. I belong at his feet. I belong in that humble place of receiving. Right at the feet of Jesus. Just look at somebody and say, we belong at his feet. Hey. That's what your answer is. That's where your Lazarus gonna come alive. I'm through, I'm finished, but I need to prophesy to seven people that would receive it. God said, your Lazarus coming back alive. Whatever you was dead, whatever was dead, whatever was gone, and been that way for four days or four years or four weeks or four months, God said, your Lazarus is coming alive. Can you look at somebody prophetically and say it real loud? Your Lazarus about to come back alive. Hey! Glory to Jesus. It's the feet of Jesus. It's the feet of Jesus. Mary went back to his feet. She said, I, I can't even stand him. I'm mad at him, but I can't even stand him face to face. I'm going back to his feet. And that's where her answer was. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came out of that grave. Can I tell you? For real, I gotta go. Martha got her brother back. Y'all missed it. I said Martha got her brother back. 
but not because of her prayer, but because of her sister. People around you better thank God you went to his feet. Because other people going to get their prayers answered because you went to his feet. And they're going to get what they want. Because you look at somebody and say, hey, neighbor, your whole family is about to get blessed because you decided to go back to his feet. Everybody got what they needed and what they wanted because Mary had the right posture. I want to know whose posture to get the whole family blessed. Who's postured to break the family generational curse? Somebody say it's at the feet of Jesus. Clap your hands if you receive this today. It's at the feet of Jesus. We're going to leave this church and depart from this sanctuary. But whatever you do, don't leave his feet. Stay at his feet. You may leave your job. You may leave your house. <laughs> you may leave your church. Whatever you do, never leave his feet. You may leave relationships. Child, we, we may leave town. But by God, don't ever leave his feet. Stay right there. That's where your answer lies. You received that today? Someone's watching right now says, Bishop, I can't find the feet of Jesus, so I don't know where to go. I've never been there. Today, I want to offer you his feet. The place of humility, the place of instructions, the place of impartation. That's where the poor is. It's at his feet. Basically, I'm saying if you're not saved today, you can give the Lord your life. I invite you to come to Jesus. You want to be saved? Come right now. This is your opportunity. If you're in this room and you want to be saved, I want you to stand right where you are. Just stand up. I want to be saved. If you're online and you want to be saved, I want you to type in the comments, I want to be saved. Even if you're watching the replay, I want to be saved. Type that. Some of you need to be praying now for your family members and loved ones that need to give their life to the Lord. If you're not saved, I invite you to come to his feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You want to give the Lord your life? Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Make me more like you. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that he died and rose again for me. And now I have grace to live a life that pleases him. Come Holy Spirit and help me to live that life. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. 
Clap your hands for everybody who said that prayer for the first time. And they meant it. They are now part of the family. They are now at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing over one soul that gave their life to the Lord. Listen, I want you to take it a step further. If you're in this room or watching online, you want you to take it a step further. We want to communicate with you. We want to pray with you. We want to instruct you and disciple you in salvation. It's not enough to get it. Now you got to keep it. So take your cell phone, your mobile device, and I want you to text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D. Text the word SAVED to 40691. Text the word SAVED to 40691. They're putting it on the screen for you. Just follow those instructions. As soon as you text us, we're going to text you right back, and you're going to get some messages from us. We want to lead you in this walk of salvation. Congratulations for making the most important decision of your life. Come on, one more time. Somebody rejoice. Come on, somebody rejoice. I need you to do better than that. Just rejoice because somebody found his feet. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm praying this week somebody in your family finds his feet. Oh, come on, clap your hands if you, if you believe that to be true. This week, somebody in my family is going to find the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah! Y'all better prophesy. You better speak it. You better declare it and decree it. This week, an unsaved loved one is going to find Jesus' feet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would love for you to do two things. One, subscribe to our show so you can receive notification of our most recent messages. Also, if this message has impacted you, you can click the link in the description and you can give now. We'll connect with you next time on Crown Ministries Podcast.